Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the world famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program. Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Well, I'm sitting here with a linguist. I had a linguist. no idea. <laughs> I, love I didn't that. know you were, but I didn't know that you were a wordsmith. <laughs> Call Jiggy right now. Two six seven twenty two Jiggy. Hey, Jiggy, what's happening, man? You must be that uh, David Bowie song. Jiggy play guitar, Jeff. It's a great name, man. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Presenting. I'm, I'm Mike Massey, and, uh, you know, you can catch me on Jiggy Jag TV and uh, see a few of my tricks up there. Thank you very much. Jiggy Jaguar. I never knew what freedom was until I saw you lose yours. It is the world famous Jiggy Jaguar radio broadcast. Goes to coast of all of the ball of Tony. It's radio loyalty. Stitcher and the brand new Jiggy Jaguar app available in the app store, JiggyJaguar.us. You can stream the show live, 24-7 replay, exclusive news and programming information all available on our fantastic app. Lots of stuff going on today. We are going to be chatting with a great guest at the bottom, right in the middle of the hour. Middle of the hour. However, welcome to our program today. And we have this. One moment, please. Stephanie, I have James Lowe ready to go. Are you ready? Yeah, sure. Awesome. James, Stephanie, Stephanie, James. Spring travel. Stephanie, tell me all about spring travel. Oh, gosh, there's so much to tell because spring is a wonderful time to get away. People want to come south for the warm weather. And, you know, it's really exciting, James, is we are seeing some great deals. So the Caribbean is on sale. There are deals on both coasts. And really, it's, it's just time to sit down, talk to your family, talk to your friends, or just go off on a solo adventure. You could be staying at the beach in an oceanfront view for 40% off. You know, we're talking two nights in an oceanfront room for $99. I mean, that is just a fantastic bargain. What else do you have for us? Well, I want to remind people that, you know, when you go on vacation, there are some ways that you can bump up the uh, the fun factor on your beach vacation, uh, making that sand time special. One of them is to try taking, you know, we, we talk a lot about bringing the joys of travel home with you so that you can enjoy them all year long. But we're also talking about this time, James, bringing the things that make you happy in your everyday life on vacation with you, and then that kind of boosts them even more so that they're even more fun to do. For example, if you like to do yoga, 
you know, maybe that's something you escape to do during the week. Or maybe you go running or you go on a walking trail. But trying to do something new on vacation, uh, even if it's something you do at home. So maybe you do yoga at the beach or yoga on a paddleboard. That's something that they're trying at a place in, in Myrtle Beach. And I've never done that before. The next time I get there, I'm going to try it because I've done, I've done stand-up paddleboarding and I've done yoga, but I've never combined the two. So I'm looking forward to something like that. But, you know, those are the types of things. Pushing our comfort zone just a little bit more can be a lot of fun on vacation. And also, I want to remind people that, you know what, vacation should not be stressful. So don't be afraid to splurge. So plan a massage for yourself. Um, plan, you know, buy yourself a treat. Maybe you want, there's something you've had your eye on that you're thinking, well, you know, I'm not sure if I should do it. But don't be afraid to splurge because when we go on vacation, we deserve it. And this is a time to reward yourself for all the hard work you do during the year. What about hotels and, and, and any any deals or anything you can tell us on that? Sure, absolutely. Um, for example, going to those tourism board websites and looking for some deals. Uh, if you go to visitmyrtlebeach.com and you want to get to the that, that's a, such a wonderful family friendly beach, 60 miles of coastline. Uh, their website is very well formatted to show you girlfriend getaways, um, hotel deals. Um, places where you're going to get, you know, buy buy two nights, get one free, 45% uh, off at some of these resorts, um, vouchers for, and, and another, another thing to look for, too, when you go to the tourism board websites, a lot of times they're going to have coupons that you can print out, and it might be 3 or $4 here or there, but it all adds up, so definitely something you want to look for. Also, if you are a fan of a certain brand of hotel, you want to make sure that you are signed up for that hotel's newsletters so that anytime they have a specific deal, maybe you're a big fan of Hilton and you know that if they, you've got a lot of Hilton points, uh, spring is a great time to use them, just like the airline. Airline, you're going to find more availability in the spring and the fall than you will during the, the busy Christmas holiday season or the summer travel season. So if you've got some points built up, now is a great time to see if you can use them. And that's also a great resource for looking for deals, going to that, that website for where the hotel chain that you have the points at and just playing around, look and see where the deals are because you might discover something you didn't know about. You know, maybe there's a festival happening that you'd really like to visit. Um, maybe, like, for example, Sandestin has a wine festival at the end of April, and that can be a lot of fun. And things like that can really help you get to know a place. You know, there's a blue crab festival in Little River near Myrtle Beach at the end of May, May 20th and 21st. Those are the types of things, when you go to these festivals, you are going to learn more about the community. You're going to get to know the locals. And then you can ask them, hey, I've been, I've been here for a few days. What should I try? To, you know, what do you do when you want a quick getaway from your hometown? And you're going to find some new discoveries that way. Well, where can we go for more information online? Well, if you'd like to check out the new issue of Travel Girl Magazine, which comes out next week and will be in all the Delta Sky Clubs, but also uh, you can download a digital issue if you go to Travel Girl Inc., travelgirlinc.com. And this next issue, we visit Roanoke, Virginia. We go to Lucerne, Switzerland. We meet a woman who posed for Picasso, which is very exciting. And uh, we also have some tips for people who might want to head to Louisville, Kentucky for the Derby, which this year it's May 6th. And, uh, I don't know if you've tried that, but that should definitely be on your bucket list. Mardi Gras in New Orleans, 
Kentucky Derby in, in, at Churchill Downs. Some, some really great things to put on, on your bucket list. So check that out, travelgirlinc.com. Uh, some of the deals that I mentioned, visit myrtlebeach.com. It's a good place to go if you want to try and take advantage of that, that um, those beachfront condos and beachfront there's rentals, there's hotels. Again, that website is going to tell you all kinds of options, and uh, it's just really important to do your homework. Well, fantastic. Have yourself a wonderful weekend. Thank you, James. Happy travels to you, and I hope you get to take a splurge and, and get stay warm and enjoy the sunshine this spring. Definitely. Have yourself a good one. That, of course, is the travel girl. The travel girl. She's out there traveling. Travel girl, Inc. The travel girl. We got more coming up. We're going to take a uh, brief time out. And uh, when we come back, we are going to get an interesting guest on the line. Uh, also, in this uh, broadcast, we will talk to Mr. Frank Bernuccio, the big star. Star, stage, and screen, as I like to say. I don't think Frank has ever been in a movie or a play. Maybe he has. I don't know. We'll ask him. Actually, we won't ask him. Because I don't, I'd, 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 I don't know if he would He would play along. That's... <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if Frank would, would, would necessarily play along with, with my goofiness. Maybe he would. Maybe he wouldn't. I don't know. We've got more coming up. Download the app, JiggyJaguar.us, or in all the app stores, and go to JiggyJaguar.com. Check out audibletrial.com slash J-A-G-U-A-R. For you, the listeners of the Jiggy Jaguar Experience, Audible is offering a free audio book download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Personally, I recommend End of Watch by Stephen King. Check out audible.com. It is amazing. Check out A-U-D-I-B-L-E. T-R-I-A-L dot com slash J-A-G-U-A-R. That's audibletrial.com slash J-A-G-U-A-R. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash Jaguar. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash Jaguar for your free audiobook. Do your kids treat money like it grows on trees? Imagine never having to hear your son or daughter say to you, Can I borrow $100 knowing quite well it is gone forever? It's time to change all that with a new system called Debt-Free Children. This innovative program allows your children, five years after high school or college, to pay cash for their house and car and still have money in the bank. The unbelievable has become reality. Debt-Free Children shows you how to teach your adult children to earn, save, and live a debt-free lifestyle starting right now. Order Debt-Free Children today at just $19. It's a bargain that will pay dividends for a lifetime. Visit YourDebtFreeChildren.com to place your order now. That's YourDebtFreeChildren.com. 
Hello, everybody. I'm Kip Marlowe, author of The Entrepreneur's Success and Sacrifice. If you're interested in starting a business, growing your current one, or just need some inspiration, this is the book for you. Learn the secrets of success from entrepreneurs like Arlene Neen, who just started her seventh company at the age of 96. Order it at ecrsuccess.com or at Amazon and learn 22 stories of ordinary people who became wildly successful. It could change your life. An incredible new marketing partner with us today at Transmedia Worldwide, the fantastic, fantastic, brand new Indiegogo campaign is live. Indiegogo.com, share your world with the rest of the world. Increasing civil engagement, connecting people, constituents, and policymakers in actionable ways. Isaac from Pittsburgh, United States is helping us out today with this one. Check out I-N-D-I-E-G-O-G-O.com. Search Share your world with the rest of the world. This is an amazing, amazing campaign. Check it out today and tell them you heard about it here. Transmedia Worldwide. This is Jason Roberts with the Wealth Investors Minute. The U.S. stock market this year is stuck in a rut. It's trendless. It can't decide if it wants to go up or go down. Wall Street pros are starting to take notice of the market's inability to gain traction. After this week's drop to around 2060 on the broad S&P 500 stock index, 2015 has turned out nothing like 2014 and 2013. Last year, the market gained more than 11% and made 53 new record highs. And back in 2013, the stock market moved basically in one direction, up. The S&P 500 rallied nearly 30% in 13, making 45 new highs along the way. This year, the index has made only 10 new highs. Fears of a coming interest rate hike by the Fed, as well as the financial turmoil abroad in places like Greece and China, has also kept risk taking down. This is Jason Roberts with the Wealth Investors Minute. Back to the Jiggy Jaguar Radio Show on the network. It is the world famous Chicky Chegwar Radio Broadcast, coast to coast, border to border, on the tune in on the iTunes and the radio loyalty. Get a hold of us on Red Nation Rising Radio as well. If you missed our interview with the Travel Girl and our great travel destinations, I always think it's funny when she mentioned, she always mentioned, uh, she mentioned Myrtle Beach. And <laughs> the great Ross Long at one time told me that Myrtle Beach is uh, where people who are who are cheap go. If they want to go to the beach, they go to Myrtle Beach. If they're cheap, they go to Myrtle Beach. And he always <laughs> always used to laugh. And people go into vacation at Myrtle Beach. I don't know why, but he did. It's uh, it's a hell of a day. <laughs> hell of a day. Later on this week, we will talk to Alan K. Patch. Patches of history here on the world famous Cheeky Chick Wire radio broadcast. And... Uh, we will be talking to the multi-talented Barbara Van Orden here in just a few moments. She is busy at work researching a book, and uh, we will be talking to her here in just a second. I'm going to see if we can pull her up on the old <laughs> Skype. 
audio. We will see if Barbara is there. Hello. Hello, Barbara. It's James Lowe with KJ Radio. How are you today? James, my dear, how are you? <laughs> how are you today? Well, I'm wonderful, and I'm so happy to be speaking with you. Now, uh, we were just talking here as we got back on the air about you. You are a uh, multi-talented individual. Uh, you are busy at work researching and penning a book about Playboy plus some other uh, literary projects. First of all, tell us about this uh, this book you're going to be writing about Playboy. Well, first of all, I wanted to start to tell you by why I'm writing the book and how it all came about and all of that. Okay. Because so, that probably would make much more sense. Because there's so many people that write books, and they do a lot of interviews of people, but they never experienced anything. But I want to go through my <laughs> career a little bit to tell you how I've experienced various things and why I felt I wanted to write the book. Okay. Because I lived it. I lived it. You know what I mean? So here, first of all, you know, I began in New York as an, a model. And, um, you know, walking around as we all did with our black portfolios and, you know, high heels and we killed our feet, but we loved it every minute of it. <laughs> and I did that for, I, we really, I'm telling you. And we walked around with mini skirts because the mini skirts had just first come out in those years and we were freezing to death. But did we care? No. And of course we were living on carrots and celery, uh, and radishes. And starving to death, but did we care? No, we loved it. You know how that goes. Anyway, those years, we didn't know any better, right? But anyway, I did so many years of that, and then I was a singer, and I did a lot of places in New York and the Catskill Mountains, and along the way, I met a lot of different people, and I worked with a lot of the greats, and it was wonderful. Whoa, how wonderfully living the, and, and experienced a lot of things, but learning from them was terrific, and absolutely terrific. And, um, Anyway, as I went through the years, and then I moved to California because I had been living in New York. That's where I'm from, East Coast, yeah. New York, New Jersey. And then I moved to California, uh, pardon me, to uh, Chicago. Well, when I moved to Chicago, that's when it all started because it was a cold, freezing cold, windy city, and boy, I'm telling you, it was cold. And But I was very, very lucky because I was doing a couple small clubs there, and one night, and I'm in the called Acorn on Oak, which was a great place. James, you would have loved it because <laughs> it had wonderful hamburgers. And, I mean, the cheese was just right. And, I mean, it was great. But what it was was a place that everybody hung out at after they did their shows in town, you know, wherever you performed. Fantastic, fantastic. Or Mr. Kelly's, wherever you performed, you went there afterwards. And, of course, you had this wonderful hamburger. And there was a wonderful fellow at the piano called Buddy Charles, and he was insane, but he was wonderfully insane because he was a <laughs> magnificent, magnificent musician, and he had, and, but he, he was crazy wild, wonderful. I mean, he, we, everybody loved him. Well, I'm sitting there eating my, chomping on my hamburger, and, you know, a lot of people are in there, Maury Amsterdam, a lot of, a lot of the people that were working in town. Anyway, um, so Buddy Charles said, come on, Barbara, come on, get up here. Well, you know, you're over at the Playboy Club. Come on, and uh, come on, sing us a song. So I get up, and, of course, at that time, you know, James, I was just a, a singer, straight singer. I didn't do any comedy or any parody or I didn't do anything like that. I really just came out, sang the songs, and got off. And, you know, in those days, we undulated out in our black satin evening gowns with the cleavage, you know. We sang our songs, and then off we went. 
And then, you know, say if a, a comedian was working with you, like a Soupy Sales or a Maury Amsterdam or, or whomever. Anyway, as I'm standing there and I'm sitting there talking, and Buddy Charles is saying, and all of a sudden there starts to be laughs. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, what in the world are they laughing about? Anyway, so Buddy says, Barbara, you know, you're funny. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm funny. I wasn't even trying to be funny. So Eddie, so I go, and I, after I sang my song and I did my thing, and I sat down, and over comes a very handsome man by the name of Sam Stefano. And Sam Stefano was with Playboy for 25 years, and he had uh, booked talent and Oh, it was wonderful what he was. He was a magnificent musician. He booked talent. I mean, twenty-five. He he was one of the top fives that really ran Playboy. He came out, came over to me, and he said, "You know," he said, "I think you're very pretty." And I thought, "Oh, well, that's very nice." I mean, <laughs> thank you. And then he said, "Also, I like the way you sing, and I think you are funny." He said, "Would you like to to perform in the Playboy clubs?" I went, "Oh my goodness!" Well, you know. James, it took me like one split second to say yes. <laughs> I mean, yes, 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 I'd love to. So anyway, um, I go, and I'm now going to perform in my very first time, and it's with Maury Amsterdam. And it was right at the Chicago Playboy Club. And I'm all excited. I'm very excited. And um, so what it had been, though, is through all those years, I had taken, you know, I've been, as I said, a straight singer. Well, I had taken some time off, about, oh, 11 months, and I thought, you know, am I, am I funny? So I thought, well, I'll try to write something and play with the audience, because it's wonderful in those clubs when you can interact with the audience. And, and the Playboy Club in Chicago, you had mostly businessmen, and, well, it was very interesting, I'll tell you, James, because during the week, the businessmen would come in, and they were in town in business, or, or, or they lived there, or, and they would have... Their nieces with them. James, okay. there were a lot of nieces. <laughs> a lot of nieces. Okay. And, uh, and so that was Thursday night. Friday night, they would come in with the girlfriends. Right? And Saturday night, <laughs> right? night they come, come in with the wives. And I tell you, if we work... Well, Sunday you know, night, it's... Probably, Barbara, it's repeat business. Me. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, and I think, James, and I think if we worked Sunday nights, they probably would have brought their mothers. That's I mean, right. Really, That's right. Very, I like to think of it as a very family, family way it was. Hey, I'll tell you, <laughs> it, it sounds absolutely amazing. <laughs> anyway, so now we're perfor- I'm performing and all that kind of thing, and I'm, I've thought, well, how in the world, a businessman, what can I do to be funny because I'm a very tall lanky and the, you know i'm not really a funny kind of looking person that you would expect humor at or i do more of a, gl- a glamour type of thing so i thought you know what they're businessmen so i wrote a parody combining you know with the stock market and with a you know bunch of songs that fit the stock market and that went over very very well they loved it they loved it so then i went on to write another one Fiddler on the Roof with the Exorcist movie because that was very popular at the time. Anyway, I was performing them a lot. It went over very well. In fact, the telephone company, Bell Telephone Company, wrote us. They said, my God, they were there that evening, and it was the best show they ever saw ever with Maury Amsterdam and myself, and it was wonderful. It was a very nice thing. So it encouraged me, although I did still sing straight songs, you know, just the ballads, 
because you opened with a, a number that we're hoping everybody likes your dress, they like you, you got to win them over in the first uh, song. And then in the middle, you know, you sing the love song. You know, he left, he did me wrong, whatever that love song is. And <laughs> then at the end, at the end, you do, you know, the closing number, you know, Apple Pie, Apple Pie, Mother Flag, uh, American Flag and Mother, that type of thing, you know. But in between, I did the two parodies. So Sam says, I love this, Sam Stefano. He says, now I want to put you at Lake Geneva Playboy Club. And I performed with many, many people. Then I went to New Jersey, and I worked with Soupy Sales and many, many wonderful, uh, talented uh, stars. Um, and I would open for them. And then I went to New York, and I worked once with, uh, with Professor Erwin Corey, of all people. So that was all of that, and that was a wonderful way because I learned all about how the Playboy Club was, how the performers were, working with the performers, how, you know, like the, the room manager. And, and of course, the, the bunnies were very, very different from the performers. It was a whole different set of rules. So, and each one, and, and Hef himself, Hefner, um, he was very, very strict on a lot of things, which made it wonderful. But the most wonderful thing about this, James, is that before then was really only the Casco Mountains, if you got a chance to work there, you know, in New York, um, but it gave talent a chance to be able to work a week, 10 days, two weeks, whatever your contract was. You did three shows a night. Uh, three uh, During the week, you did two shows. And on the weekend, you did three shows a night. And you had different audiences. You, you performed, then you ran upstairs, and you checked your material. And, oh, my God, is this working? Am I getting a laugh here? Do they like this song? All kinds of things. It was the one of us training grounds ever. That was what's never before, and it hasn't been since. So, living it sounds it, amazing. Go, so, and then, of course, as now I'm performing other places in Vegas and very various other things, and I go, and while I'm in Vegas, someone comes up to me and says, "Would you like to open for me at the Persian Room at the Plaza Hotel?" A club date. In those days, we called them club dates. Yes. And I looked at this person. Well, James, who do you think it was? Uh, the one and only Frank Sinatra. I was going to say Sinatra. Oh, my God. <laughs> so once again, oh, blue eyes. Oh, it took me exactly one half of a nanosecond. Whatever. <laughs> I'm going, okay, yes, 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 yes. Anyway, so now I go and I'm working with him, and it was wonderful. And he was wonderful to me. And you know, James, Frank was very interesting and quite material, as we all know. Um, he either liked you or he did not. And yes. If he, and as far as a lady, uh, a woman, uh, if he, he, either he either treated you as a lady or he did not. Very fortunately for me, he was like a big brother in a sense because I was very, you know, I had just started. I was young and he was in his later years. And he took a liking to me, a very protective liking. And I, oh my God, you know, this is wonderful. I was like his little sister in a sense. So it was a lot of wonderful years of performing and doing all of that. Um, and the book came about because there are a lot of books about Playboy and they're written by people who, you know, interview people and, and various things. But they haven't lived the experience. So I thought, you know, this is needed. A book by 
someone who's actually lived it. That's right. That's right. So I, I called. I'm looking for Sam Stefano. I hadn't seen him in a few years, even though we were all very friendly and very close. And I call, and I get his son, and Michael Stefano. And I said, Michael, I'm looking for your father, Sam, because Michael I had remembered when he was a little boy, you know. He grew up in the Playboy Club, too. I mean, he went right with his father all they lived together. They went to all the meetings together. In fact, he had a little business suit just like his father with a little attache case made just like his father's. How cute. I mean, he was a little three, four, five-year-old. <laughs> that is young. awesome. And he was right. And he knew. He was with everything, with the contract being written, everything. So bottom line, I call up, and I'm looking for him, and he said, oh, my God, my dear father, our, our dear Sam, he's got Alzheimer's. I said, Michael, I'm coming to Vegas because this is where Michael lives. I said, come to Vegas. I said, I want to talk to you about something. So I come, and I, he opens the door. I open the door in the suite that I'm in. My husband and I were standing there. In Standing in the doorway is Michael Stefano. Honest to God, I you wouldn't believe it. It was like his father, because he was the same age that I remember his father, the last time I saw his father. And it was really something, James. It was like, oh, my God, send in the clones. You know, it was like, anyway, so I said, you know what? There's been so many books written about Playboy. You've lived it. My God, have you lived it. In fact, his, his uh, babysitters used to be the bunnies. <laughs> I mean, how good did how good that, is that awesome. get, you know? That right, is right? awesome. So, and he was falling in love every two minutes, he said, you know, with everybody possible. So he said, Barbara, I love the idea and the concept. Yes, you lived it, performing and and, you know, being a part of our family, like he said, and I've lived it. Boy, did I live it growing up in it. He said, yes, we're going to write this book. So we went ahead and we started writing, and it's going to be wonderful. I'm going to save a little bit of it because I want to go into some other things um, to talk to you about. But um, it, it, it's wonderful. It's wonderful, and it's pictorial. We have so many of the pictures that were from in the day, and uh, we've had so many, so many people with wonderful interviews. You know, one of the people, Jerry Lewis, of all people, I mean, who did the Playboy Clubs, would you believe? He gave us a wonderful interview, and Debbie Reynolds, and I mean, the names go on and on and on. Um, anyway, so we're working on it, and it's going to come out very, very soon. So we're very, very excited about that. But during the time that I was doing various things, this was before the book, I had had a terrible accident car ran over me and broke both my legs, broke my back, broke my neck, and it took me two and a half years to learn to walk all over again, uh, four hours every day, five days a week, for about two, two and a half years, roughly, around. It was terrible. So that was an experience that made, you know, as I'm laying, lying there in bed, I mean, uh, I was very, very sick, of body in both leg casts and, I mean, many operations. You know, I recalled a lot of this information of the years of the Playboy Club and of when I spent in Chicago. And I said, you know what, then it dawned on me then, too, a book has to really be written. So I left, as I said, I left Chicago, came to California, and during it, too, I've also had a personal management firm in Century City where I used to represent writers, producers, and directors. Well, uh, as I'm going along, because I've been in this business for about almost, oh, over 35 years, going to 40 years. <clears throat> and um, I was asked by Universal Studios to perform to form a production company and come onto the lot at Universal and produce there. 
was very exciting, so I did do that. And, and my partner was Stephen Heilpern, who was a producer in the many shows that you probably remember in reruns, were Mikhail's Navy and Run for Your Life, The Bold Runs, Alias Smith and Jones, Lucas Tanner and The Blue Knight, and a couple of movies of the weeks, and won a, a, an Emmy for Case of Rape with Elizabeth Montgomery. I mean, so it was really a wonderful thing. And why I'm telling you all this is because I think, really, in order to, to write a book or to write something, you've got to have lived things. Because how do you write about something you've never experienced? Because you're really, if you do that, you're really only seeing it through someone else's eyes. Yes. And then if you're, and if you're seeing it through someone else's eyes, it's their interpretation. It's not necessarily maybe what was. But if you've lived this kind of thing and lived these various things in life and, and have been in, I've been in the entertainment industry in all the areas except the music area, meaning records. I have not been in the record world. But everything else, I have been in it. And I have pulled from every single aspect of it. And then I went on to produce some various things. I was asked to be the ambassador uh, for uh, Rady School of Management. And then we, I produced a great big um, uh, something. We honored the CBS Entertainment, uh, uh, Sony Pictures, and it was a great King, King of Queens was uh, um, honored, and the Cole Case was honored, and it was a great big production. And then I was also asked to, uh, then I was asked to be Vice President of Special Events at Harbor UCLA Medical, and I went through and we produced another great big event, and it was the Sharon Morrill was President of Disney Tunes and President of Production of Warner Brothers, Jeff Robinoff. And then I was asked by CBS and then to put together an event, and we honored uh, CSI, and I honored, um, oh, my God, Grey's Anatomy. I, I, it went on and on and on, and the, the, the event was we see eye to eye. And also I belonged to a lot of the organizations, you know, the Television Academy. I belonged for many years, the American Film Institute. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. But the point what I'm saying is that I have pulled from every single aspect that I have lived, and even after that accident where, you know, I almost, they were going to amputate my right leg, and I said, nonsense to this. I'm, wow. I'll do everything I can do to walk again. So the bottom, and I do a lot of inspirational talks, too, about people surviving, you know, because I'm a survivor. <coughs> Pardon me. And, um, in fact, I was really, uh, and I was still, and I was still doing my one-woman show. And uh, I get great reviews from critics and audiences alike. And also, I was very, very honored because I was the Southern California Motion Picture Council uh, presented me with the Golden Halo Lifetime Achievement Award for Outstanding Contribution to the Entertainment Industry. And I was very excited about that. And so, but the bottom line to all this is, I've got the book coming out with Playboy. My partner, Michael DeStefano, who I love dearly, he's wonderful, he's family. My husband and I, we think he's the greatest in the whole world. Wonderful working relationship with him, a wonderful product we're going to be putting out. And we have a very special book signing that's going to be, not a normal book signing, but I don't want to tell you about that because I want you to have me back when this comes out, and I want to talk all about that then. And then also there's another book we're doing, something to do with Vegas, which I can't really go into right now but it's uh, going to be a wonderful book and then also along the way when I was performing in Chicago I had come because my son was a little boy at the time and I'd come out with a brand a product for children toy book animated film 
and that's being worked on right now with with the merchandising. So things are interesting, things are exciting, and even though one has an, a horrible, horrible accident or anything that happens in your life, you can keep going, keep doing, and but the main thing is, and I think it's why you're asking me about the Playboy book, is that all I can say is that the reason why I really, Michael and I are writing this book is because we want it to be a book out that is by people who have lived this. Because every other book, nobody's lived it. They only get a bunch of interviews or they get a bunch of pictures or they whatever they do. But nobody has, who's written these books has absolutely lived it. And boy, have we lived it. So that's what I'm up to now, my darling. We've got a uh, great guest with us today. She joins us live, Barbara Van Orden, with us today here on our broadcast. Now, you've had a multifaceted career in the entertainment industry. Uh, You've been all over the place. Uh, Give us a little bit more details about this devastating accident that you had. Oh, I was, well, at that particular time, I stopped performing for a while because nightclubs were dying out. There was no place to go. There was no, nothing to do. So I went into the business end of the business, and I became a personal manager. And I had my office right around from the street from the William Morris Agency. It was on Beverly Drive in Beverly Hills, California. And I was leaving my office to go out to get papers from my car to come back. And as I was crossing the street, an epileptic blacked out, hit me at the impact of 65 miles an hour, broke both my legs, the right leg was 12 humongous breaks, like a palm tree, bones coming out of my leg, which they had to put a rod and a bolts and a plate in the knee. The left leg was five breaks, left me three centimeters shorter on my left leg than my right leg. My back was crushed. My head was ripped open in the front, the left temple, three to five inch gash. In the back of my head on the right side, it was like a four to five inch gash. I was a mess. And I was in a body and both leg casts in the hospital for a long time. Then I spent one year at my home in a hospital bed. And then to be able to go to, and I had, you know, had to have people taking care of me. And I went through 18 operations through the years with it. And uh, finally, when I was able to, they wanted to see if I could stand up. So they said to me at the hospital, stand up, try to grab the walker, but lean on the good leg. Well, the good leg was the five breaks. I mean, what good leg, you know? And in order for me to get out of around that bed, you know, you just don't turn around and stand up. It would be a half hour. I'd had four orderlies all around me, helping me, guiding me so I could put my feet maybe on the ground. It took quite a long time. I mean, it could take anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes just to get to do that. Then I was trying to stand up and grab the walker, leaning on the good leg, which was the five brakes. Um, so I kept trying, and I must have tried about 30 times. Finally, at the last, I grabbed the walker, and I looked at the doctor, and I said, Eric Johnson, God bless him, he saved my leg. Um, I said, I'm going to walk. He said, boy, I believe it. Because they really, I was either going to be an amputee or I was going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. Well, I had a little boy, and I was mother, father, full support, everything to this little boy, so I couldn't at all have his life interrupted. And I'll tell you, when he came in to see me in the hospital and they finally let me see me, the look on his face, it was devastating. At my mind, and I, I didn't even know what happened. I'm lying there, and I'm, like, unconscious. They were shooting me with morphine every so often. It was just the pain was so bad, and the morphine didn't even cover the pain. 
And he said, Mom, Mom, do you know what's wrong with you? And I'm thinking, no, I don't remember being hit, nothing. Because, you see, when the fellow hit me, I flew up in the air, went headfirst through his windshield, and he dragged me for two blocks. So uh, I said, and I made up, I said, don't worry, don't worry, I will get through this, we will be okay, we will be okay. And then, of course, I pass out, you know. Well, even when I went to outpatient therapy, the learning how to walk all over again, it wasn't, you know, slam dunk easy at all. Uh, it, you know, they would wheel me in. I work on the Cybex and the Ultratrons. Those were the machines at the time. And then, of course, you know, you atrophy had set in, and you get tremendously ill. So you break out in a cold sweat, and you vomit on yourself, you know. And, of course, I had the body and the leg cast, so when the vomit would be on the cast, it would stay there forever because the cast never came off from until seven months later, and you can't wipe that off. And I was, they'd drag me in the hall on a mat, leave me there until I came to, wipe off the vomit on my, you know, um, cast, and then pull me back in on the mat, and I tried to get up again to try to do more of the Cybex or the Ultratrons to help me so I could walk again. So it really was a horrible, horrible time. And God love my son. He was a little boy at the time. And I think that's why he's in the medical field today because of it. But he used to, uh, in order to get to the door for the people to pick me up to come to go to UCLA for the outpatient therapy of walking, you know, he would, I, he'd have to get me on the floor on a throw mat and pull me, because we had hardwood floors, pull me to the door. And then he said, pull me to the door. Then the orderlies, every about four of them, standing there to stand me up to try to walk me down a couple of steps to get in the car. Of course, to get in the car wasn't, you just didn't jump in the car. That was another 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it took in order to get all of me, move the leg in, move it. I mean, and then when you get to UCLA, there was another thing. When I parked, and we parked in emergency, uh, and then a wheelchair would be waiting for me. But uh, I also, another whatever amount of minutes to try to get out, because you just don't stand up and walk. I mean, it it was really something else, but I learned something from that, and I felt, James, that if I could get through that, I could get through anything in my life, no matter what it was, and I feel sorry always for people who have accidents or they have something, you know, that's a, an illness or whatever it be, and everyone, and to all degrees, whatever degree it is, whether it's a slight accident, a major accident, whatever, I, I always think to myself, thank God if they just keep the idea of don't feel sorry for yourself and work to get better. And there were times when, you know, I would have a little bit of a, a progress. And then there'd be maybe months where nothing, nothing, no new progress, no new progress. And it can be very uh, demoralizing and just very depressing. But then, you know, you keep going, keep going, go. Then you have maybe another, another little tiny break in the sense that something good happens where you're able to take another couple of steps or something. And you just keep going until you're actually, well, I want to tell you, my dear, I am walking. I, I am walking I, tremendously. I have both my legs and I do walk in a small high heel, which I'm very proud of because with the thoughts of that I would never walk again or be an amputee, this is tremendous success. Anyway, so the UCLA would call me over because they had doctors and uh, interns and all kinds of medical people, and they would show various x-rays of people and and discuss it. Well, they would show my x-ray, and the doctors or the internists or the orderly or whatever they were would say, the woman's dead. 
And the doctor would say, no. Wow. <laughs> no, she's not dead. Wow. And then they, they say, well, she's an amputee, right? No, she's not an amputee. Well, she's in a wheelchair for the rest of her life, right? No. And then I'd walk out, and they'd say, can't be. He said, that's her. That's it. I'm telling you. So um, it, it, the thing is, you, you have to, I think the, the main thing is don't feel sorry for yourself. And I'll tell you, I never went on with why me or anything else. You know, I had a lot to accomplish. I had to take care of my son, and I had to get better because we had just moved to California. And why I moved to California was because Maury Amsterdam, who I was working with, said, Barbara, you remind me of Mary Tyler Moore, that type of thing. You've got to come out to California. You'd be great doing television sitcoms and various things and performing. Well, I moved here because Maury and his wife, Kay, thought it would be the best thing to do, my little son and I. And, of course, but Maury and Kay, you know, they're always on the road because Maury was performing. So I really didn't know anyone. So when this accident happened to me, I really didn't know many people. So it was, I, I was really on my own a lot of it. My family lived back east, so they weren't here either. But the bottom line of what I'm trying to tell you is that everybody, no matter what you have in your life, whatever terrible incident happens, you can get over it, you can go forward, you can get better, and you can go on to have a wonderful life. I am still producing Besides writing these two books, I still produce events, and I have a couple more projects. Oh, another thing that I do, too, is, in fact, a lot of it to do with Frank Sinatra. was Because he said to me, Barbara, I'm helping you through this, you know, because he would suggest, why don't you try this line, why don't you do this, or why don't you cut this out, or put this in, sing that song, do this. And he said, if you ever get to a point where you could help young talent, please do. Because he, he helped many people, many, many people that people don't even know that he helped. So... I am now co-exec producer with Michael Sterling, who created L.A.'s Next Great Stage Star. And it's young people from 18 to uh, 31 years old. And it's people, they go on to Broadway stages and, and uh, various supper clubs, and they go into television also. So I am sponsoring it, and I'm a co-exec producer with it, and I've been doing it for the last, I think, six, seven years. And we are, we're so delighted because we have a wonderful sponsor. We have Princess Cruise Line. And also, but uh, it's a six-week competition, and these people get to go in front of judges that are the now people, people in casting of directors, producers, agents, and many of them are signed right then and there. Uh, in fact, last year, the runner-up even uh, calls and says, oh, my God, I'd like to talk to you. And, of course, we're on air. We're saying, oh, my God, you know, the audience... So we thought, well, okay, we'll put her on. So we, Michael and I, we look at each other because, you know, we don't know what she's going to say. She said, no, I want the audience to hear this. I thought, oh, my Lord. Anyway, we put her on. She says, I am now doing two-year contract on Broadway in New York playing the Good Witch in Wicked and I with a two-year option. That's four years. She's going, yay! She said, had I not done uh, L.A.'s Next Great Stage Star and met the various agents and people, casting people, I never would have had this part. Absolutely so, amazing. It's wonderful. So that's what I'm doing. Besides writing the books and doing L.A.'s Next Great Stage Star and then also, too, I'm approached with a couple other projects. But, you know, I have to... I finish, pro I go project to project to project. That's what I've been my whole life, you know. Finish up one, make sure it's done well, get it off and then running. And then I 
start production and another one, you know? Amazing so stuff. Barbara. So there's where we are, and that, that's what it is. And, you know, to me, there's nothing that cannot be accomplished if you put your mind to it and you just get to it and do it. But the key is never in one way or another ever, ever, ever feel sorry for yourself. Now, Barbara, once the Playboy book is published, what other books do you have in mind to write? Well, I have the one that's something to do with Vegas, which I can't go into right now. Because, totally <laughs> because fine. Totally fine. But it's going to be very, very interesting. And also, in fact, we're going to be doing uh, the book signings, and uh, we're going to be in Texas. We're going to be all over. We're going to be in New York, various places. And I'm going to contact you because you've got to come. If you're near us and you, where we're going to be, I'd love to have you. Uh, also, the Toy Book Animated Film. It's a brand that I created for children that I, I'm very excited about. And um, it's done sort of like a Mickey Mouse Club or a Sesame Street. And the little things that kids have to deal with, you know, you're dealing with the bully. You're dealing with your going to doctors for the first time. You're dealing with uh, uh, going to school. You're dealing with uh, getting lost. You're dealing with various things. And it's a beautifully illustrated, uh, but each character, and there are eight characters, which I'd like to say more, but I can't at this point, but I will at another time, you know. Uh, they all have their own product line out. So, oh, really? which makes it very interesting. So there's a lot of merchandising besides the book and everything. So that's what I'm doing now. Then I've been asked to produce something else, which are, James, yes. I'm going to have a lot to tell you the next time <laughs> that we speak. I we really we'll really be talking. Okay. Well, uh, well, I appreciate you making time for us today. Thanks for coming on, Barbara. Well, James, thank you. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, and I wish you good luck and, and much happiness, success, and, and and good health and everything. And love to your family, yourself, and you know what? Let's talk again. Definitely. Have yourself a wonderful day, Barbara. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, James. Thank Bye-bye. you. Barbara Van Orden with us today. BarbaraVanOrden.com We are going to take a brief time out here. She, uh, she talked all the way past uh, Vernuccio. So I'm going to try to get a hold of Frank and we're going to try to get him back on uh, sometime this week. <laughs> she had a lot to say, kids. A lot to say. We're going to take a time out. Come back with Check out audibletrial.com slash J-A-G-U-A-R. For you, the listeners of the Jiggy Jaguar Experience, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Personally, I recommend End of Watch by Stephen King. Check out audible.com. It is amazing. Check out A-U-D-I-B-L-E. T-R-I-A-L dot com slash J-A-G-U-A-R. That's audibletrial.com slash J-A-G-U-A-R. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash Jaguar. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash Jaguar for your free audiobook.
Do your kids treat money like it grows on trees? Imagine never having to hear your son or daughter say to you, Can I borrow a hundred dollars? Knowing quite well it is gone forever. It's time to change all that with a new system called Debt-Free Children. This innovative program allows your children, five years after high school or college, to pay cash for their house and car and still have money in the bank. The unbelievable has become reality. Debt-Free Children shows you how to teach your adult children to earn, save, and live a debt-free lifestyle starting right now. Order Debt-Free Children today at just $19. It's a bargain that will pay dividends for a lifetime. Visit YourDebtFreeChildren.com to place your order now. That's YourDebtFreeChildren.com. Hello, everybody. I'm Kip Marlowe, author of The Entrepreneur's Success and Sacrifice. If you're interested in starting a business, growing your current one, or just need some inspiration, this is the book for you. Learn the secrets of success from entrepreneurs like Arlene Neen, who just started her seventh company at the age of 96. Order it at ecrsuccess.com or at Amazon and learn 22 stories of ordinary people who became wildly successful. It could change your life. An incredible new marketing partner with us today at Transmedia Worldwide, the fantastic, fantastic, brand new Indiegogo campaign is live. Indiegogo.com, share your world with the rest of the world. Increasing civil engagement, connecting people, constituents, and policymakers in actionable ways. Isaac from Pittsburgh, United States, is helping us out today with this one. Check out I-N-D-I-E-G-O-G-O.com. Search Share your world with the rest of the world. This is an amazing, amazing campaign. Check it out today and tell them you heard about it here. Transmedia Worldwide. It is the world-famous Jiggy Jaguar Radio Broadcast. Thanks for joining us this week. And we will talk to you tomorrow. Red Nation Rising Radio. we got more coming up. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.